Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. We have to start out by acknowledging the location of our producer here. Jarek, Jarek, where are you recording this episode from? I'm podcasting today from my bed. <laughs> Mercury is in retrograde, unfortunately, and this wouldn't work on my desktop. So within a flurry of five <laughs> minutes, I had to set up my laptop and Brian requested that I not be backlit by my big sliding door. And the only don't, don't that- make me sound like an asshole here, Brian. I think you very specifically said it would be hotter if Jarek was in bed. Well, okay, yeah, I did. I definitely <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let's let's be clear. What I said was, what I said was, Jarek said, "Should I do this for my bed?" And I said that would be hot as shit, which it is. <laughs> if you, if you're watching this on our Patreon, you can see how smoking hot Jarek looks right now, because that is a fine young man <laughs> relaxing in his bed. This is making me think that we should do a slumber party episode of Late oh, Night yeah. where we're all in our respective beds and PJs. Absolutely, yes. And I want to see Brian in one of those old-timey sleeping caps with the little pom-pom. Like, I want this for us. I'm very into it. And then we can play, like, Truth or, Truth or Dare and stuff. That's right. And just have slumber party late at night. How do you guys sleep? Pillow fights. That's hot. That's hot. How do you guys sleep? Is that the question? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you sleep on your stomach, on your back, on your left or right <laughs> side? Do you sleep in like the middle of the bed? All of that. Jason, do you want to take this first? Yeah, I, would, I would love to. There's nothing I would love more than to take this first. High performance journalism is what's happening. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I used to like sleeping on my side and then I guess I became old and then my neck started hurting when I would wake up after sleeping on my side. So now I'm a back sleeper. I forced myself to. I have like one of those pillows with like the curves because I would have neck problems. Oh shit, yeah. Yeah, which sucks that that happens to humans. But yeah, I have one of those, sleep on my back. And if you're looking at the bed from the foot of it, I'm on the right side. My wife is on the left to the right of me. Mm -hmm. And that's my sleeping setup. It's great. This is something I've been trying to do. So I'm a stomach sleeper, which is real fucking bad for your neck. Interesting. Because you gotta like turn it. And I've been trying to train myself to sleep on my back and I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm it just, sucks. I'm it not sucks. comfortable yeah. and I snore more. Oh, Brian, what's your pillow situation? Because as a reformed stomach sleeper now primarily back, but sometimes side, if I'm feeling spicy, you're not supposed to use down pillows anymore, but it's just such a comfort thing for me that I have like my normal good pillow. And then I put a down pillow that's essentially just a sack of feathers by this point. But just to get a little yeah. bit of like a, a textural thing going around my head, that has made oh, back wow. sleeping easier. Also being on just enough oh, antidepressants to knock out a horse, that helps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because of my stomach sleeping, my pillow has to be like paper thin. If I have any kind of big pillow, then it like cranks your neck up and then you're in hell because th that's yeah. really uncomfortable. <laughs> so I have this like teeny tiny little pillow that 
I sleep on, but I can honestly sleep without a pillow pretty well because of, you know, I want to be as flat as possible to avoid neck damage. What the fuck? That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. This is normal. I feel so judged right now. A paper thin pillow doesn't that defeat the purpose of a pillow? Yeah, pretty much. For some reason, this makes so much sense for you. Brian Wecht doesn't need a pillow. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. So when I try to sleep on my back, when I flip over and try to train myself to sleep on my back, which, you know, be better like posture and stuff, I just can't go to sleep. Like I try to do it and it sucks. I don't know what to do. I'm at a real a real crossroads. Oh, the paper thing makes sense then if you're on your stomach. Yeah, right. because That's otherwise you'd be... Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. But when you cushion your head when you're on your back, it's a lot more comfortable because you're just like, you yeah. know, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. put your arms yeah. over the top of the covers and you you lift your feet up so the covers go under your feet, you know, the mm-hmm. way that you like mm-hmm. have to. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the wave pillows, it's a game changer. It's got like two like lumps and then in the middle crevice, I guess, your head goes there. Mm-hmm. And then like one lump goes where your neck is. And then one goes on the top of your skull. Really? And it just kind of like cradles it so it doesn't move. And I ordered it online and you choose like a size. It's like measure the distance from, I don't know what it is, like where your neck connects or something. And you get like the right size pillow with the right, I don't know. It's so stupid, but it's <laughs> awesome. Well, it, it sounds like. It's like a little head prison, right? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Very accurate description. Exactly. We all have our own little head prisons. Yeah. Isn't that true? Yeah. <laughs> I've been having to sleep like this lately with like <laughs> one pillow tucked under my right armpit and stacked on top like yeah. this. Uh-huh. Because like my shoulder is yeah. all fucked up from tennis and it's like the uh-huh. most annoying but also comfortable thing ever like look at this are you good at tennis oh dude (laughs) i'm okay at tennis okay hold on no no from everything i've ever heard roach jim roach when he said he played tennis with you he was like dude you have no idea how good (laughs) jarek is at tennis he was like this guy is like almost pro level so he he was talking to you up big time with tennis yeah, I'm, I'm okay. You're being modest. Surely you're being <laughs> modest, right? Yeah, I'm all right. I mean, I went to like states as a kid. Oh, is that all? Oh, you just went to states as a tennis player as a yeah, kid? Yeah, in high school. Jason, doesn't your dad play tennis too? I remember watching a video of your dad playing tennis one time. Yeah, my parents were both at one point on the, I believe, like the state champion teams. Sick. Gender respectively. Yeah, they still play. My dad is like, Weirdly good, I guess, because I think he's, I should know how old my father is. I think he's <laughs> like 62 is a guess. And he plays his students. He's a math teacher. Oh, cool. I know, stereotypical. Yeah, but uh, he plays his students tennis and he says they can get extra credit if they can beat him. And nobody can ever beat him at tennis. Dude, that rules. It's wow. crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I remember the video I watched of your dad. There's this really hard shot in tennis where if the ball like goes off to the side too much and there's a thing tennis players do where they hit it around the tennis post into the other person's yes. court. And I remember watching that video. I was like, holy shit, this is it's actually like really hard to do. Wait, it's like a curve ball? Yeah, they like curve it around the pole, kind of like <laughs> as they're Whoa. like running towards it. How do you do that by like putting spin on it with the yeah. racket? Yeah, that or like running fast enough to like just touch it over. 
Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. Someone made a compilation. It was like, oh, top 10 Hawaii tennis shots of 2021 or something. (laughs) And he was like number one in that, but it was obviously a very you know, amateur compilation, but I was like, Oh, cool. Like my dad made the number one spot. I also don't know how they're filming these. It was really weird. There was like a camera set up on a fence somewhere. I was like, who's filming a bunch of various tennis matches around Hawaii. But I guess someone is and making compilations of the best shots, which is cool. It's kind of creepy that someone is just going around surreptitiously filming (laughs) tennis matches and then posting best ofs. Just oh. a, ve- a vengeful <laughs> yeah. ghost with a GoPro was bested in a tennis match, and then that somehow led to their death. And now uh-huh. they're forced to keep a record of those who could have bested him. Yes, that's so I like funny. that. That's a screenplay right there. Jason, what math does your dad teach? He teaches like the highest level, like honors, pre-calc, and calc classes, which I never got to. I went to high school at the school my dad teaches at, but I pretty much quit math after I finished my basic requirement and he teaches like the most difficult classes. So apparently they're very difficult, but I wouldn't know. I can only assume. Actually, we're going to introduce the show right here because I do want to get some context here. So everybody, this is Late Night with Brian Wecht. Over here we have Leighton Gray. Oh, that's me. That one was Brian Wecht. What's up? Over in the corner. Oh, we've never done... uh, uh, Our producer is here. Producer, yes. would you care to introduce yourself? Hey, this is Jarek Centeno coming live from the side of my bed that I never sleep on. <laughs> Amazing. And mystery guest, who are you? Hi, I'm Jason. <laughs> is, what is more joining? <laughs> yeah. How about your full name and just like a sentence or two about yourself? What do you do? Oh, that would make sense. <laughs> I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Uh, my name is Jason Park. I'm a... Uh, professional skateboarder slash YouTuber, I guess. The YouTube is skateboarding, so I guess it's all just under skateboarder. Yeah. Now, you and Jarek have never met before, right? Wink, oh, we wink. have. <laughs> oh, we've met. Do tell. Well, we met in Kauai, right? Yeah. Like, way back. We met in Kauai. There's an old skate park on the south side of Kauai in this like town called Poipu. And Jason and like three of his other friends, Micah, Kyle, and Holden came down from Oahu to enter the skate competition that happened at the skate park, now defunct, called Graceland. R.I.P. Rip. And the way like I like met Jason was because I think I was friends with you on MySpace. Like, this is how old. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, my and God. I think he posted like, hey, do I know anybody on Kauai? Uh, we're coming down for a skate park competition. And I'm like, dude... Me. Wait, wait, hold on. Can you just do that voice again? Which that, one? That was great. The, hey, do I know anyone in Kauai? You, went and, the, you, hey. you adopted a little bit of a voice there. Which... Very accurate impression of me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do I know anybody else? I feel like you took the form of me. <laughs> I sound just like that. That's amazing. It honestly was relatively close. It was just a little bit deeper, but I could sense you where you just put a little, little stank on it. Yeah. Dude, and I was like, in the seventh or eighth grade, and then however old you guys were, Jason. So, like, the funny thing is, I met you guys, Gino, my best friend, and I. I remember Gino, yeah. Yeah, we met you guys at the mall, and we had skated over after, like, middle school, like, after the day was done, and my dad picked us up and brought all of us to the skate park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was, like, the first time I ever met you guys, 
And I just remember telling my dad, like, hey, dad, like, can you pick my friends and I up at the mall? Like, can you just bring us to the skate park? Like, <laughs> him not knowing that, like, these are just people that I met from MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, and how much older are you, Jason, than Jarek? Like, how old are you? I was uh, born in 1990. What about you, Jarek? I don't even know how old you are. I'm 26. So I was born in 95. Okay. I don't even know how old my own father is. That's <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Why would I ask you how much older you are than Jarek when you're not sure your father's age? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I only know how old I am. <laughs> By the way, first, I would like to address, I apologize because I heard on the other podcast jokes, like I hate when people pronounce like it Hawaii because it's like Hawaii or Hawaii. And I totally never talk about Kauai, Kauai and I was just like, Oh, I met him on Kauai. And then after that, I was like, holy crap, I'm such a piece of shit. Um, so I'm going to apologize for that. And now we can move on. Thank you. I appreciate it. One of the most cringiest things living in California, I hate when people say pokey. Like it grinds my gears. So, oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Oh, it just it's just like meshing styrofoam together. Pronounce it correctly, please. Jarek, how do it's you like, pronounce it? Poke. Poke. Okay. okay. That's what I've always said. I'm happy to hear that. Yes. <laughs> the Hawaiian values are pronounced how you pronounce the Spanish values. So A-A-E-O-U. Mm-hmm. Oh. So you would say poke, not poke-e. I think I just never say kawaii, so I just freaking boofed it like a filthy howly. <laughs> so that was <laughs> that was all on me. Yeah. I believe that's the first time on this podcast someone has said, boofed it like a filthy howly. <laughs> There's our title for the episode. That's great. Yeah, you know what? That is the title of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Boofed it like a filthy howly. It's nice. It's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> and so, Jason, do you live pretty much where you grew up now, or are you in a different spot? So I grew up on the east side of the island. I'm on Oahu, different island than Jarek, but I grew up on the east side, and then now I live on the west side. But there was a period where I was living in L.A. for like five to six years. Okay, cool. I was living in like downtown LA, Koreatown for a little bit, just, you know, pursuing the whole professional skating thing, kind of moving around a lot, traveling. And recently, well, I say recently, but it's like two years ago at this point, you know, got married, moved back to Hawaii. Now I'm on the West side. Yeah. Um, so it's the first time in almost a decade that I've actually lived on the island again. So it's nice to be back here. So Jason, the big reason why I asked you to come on was because for a couple episodes, Brian has been talking about teaching his daughter, Audrey, how to skateboard and bringing her to the skate parks, etc. Mm. Mm-hmm. So do you have a quick one-two advice on teaching his daughter how to skateboard? For a seven-year-old. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, a little context. She's seven, about to be eight. You know, she's been probably on a board maybe 15, 20 times. And she's doing really well. She can like move around. By the way, I don't know jack shit about skateboarding. I literally Googled (laughs) how to teach child to skateboard and then just told her a bunch (laughs) of stuff I read. So I don't know what I'm doing. Well, that's how you learn, I guess. Right, exactly. I believe the term you used was uh, you categorically refuse to ever step (laughs) on a skateboard. Is that what you said? Yes. Oh, he came with the receipts. So, I mean, first of all, I think you're the first guest that's actually listened to the podcast. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would do it, except I just turned 47. And I feel like maybe this isn't the prime age to learn to skateboard, because if I fuck myself up, I'll really fuck myself up. So part of me, when I, when she was starting out, I was like, I can do that. I can learn that. And then the first time I take a serious fall, I'm like, well, now I'm fucked forever. So 
I'm a little bit like risk averse when it comes to getting on a board. But yes, categorical refusal is pretty much where I where I stand. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, it depends on what you want to do because you'd only be doing it to skate with your daughter, right? Which is that's a right. good reason. Like, for example, I have this friend, Jackie G. Um, she skates at my home skate park. She started skating at age 63. Um, she started learning, and I think she's okay, 68 well, now. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she would wear, like, full-on pads, like, football player pads, like, yeah. for your hips and, and everything in case nice. she fell. Crazy. Yeah, started at 63, and she's really good now. That blows my mind. I made a couple videos with her. That's she even awesome. built, like, a skate park in her backyard. What? Whoa. Yeah. It was crazy because she didn't like all the, the skate park. We get kind of crowded. It's a smaller park that she would skate at. There's like a bunch of kids. The parents would drop off on their scooters. And it would kind of be a dangerous environment. Yeah. So she just built her own skate park in her backyard. Oh, and nice. uh, yeah, it's crazy. Totally irrelevant to what we were talking well, about. I don't, um, Teaching your daughter, yeah. No, well, I was going to say it's not irrelevant because now I just I feel like a scrub for being like, well, I'm too old <laughs> to skateboard. And now you have someone who's 15 years older than me who's like on it or whatever. Yeah. Well, now that I've shamed you, we can get back to uh, <laughs> we can get back to your daughter. It's it's interesting because normally Layton's the one that shames me on the podcast, so it's nice to have it coming from a different direction. Yeah. yeah, you know, Jason, thank you so much for taking over yeah. the helm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why we're here, right? That's right. From what I've been yes. listening to on the podcast, it's, everybody shows up and publicly shames Brian. Yeah. And uh, that's the point of the podcast, right? <laughs> publicly shame with Brian Wecht. That's right. <laughs> okay, so yeah, kid advice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what kind of skateboard did you get her? I think this is a technical term, but it's got a heart on it. <laughs> Was it from like a Target or like a Walmart or something, like a pre-made setup? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's probably a, maybe Heart Supply might be the name of that company. But that's cool. That's a good like starting skateboard. That's how I learned it was like a, a normal cheap complete from I think Sports Authority or something. But yeah, I think the main things are just learning to turn, getting comfortable. Right. There's two ways to turn pretty much. You go by leaning left right. and right and letting the, the trucks, those metal things under the board do the turning. And then there's tic-tacking which is basically where you're lifting up one yep. end of the board and just mastering those two ways of turning are the best. I, I don't know if she's past that already. She's just learning to get comfortable with those. Okay. So she can turn by leaning pretty well and the tic-tacking she's started to learn how to do. So she's definitely not past yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Those are like the two things to focus on at the beginning. But yeah, pushing also just uh, sounds self-explanatory yep. to me. I have no reference for anything. But uh, yeah, once she gets that, <laughs> is she learning at a skate park? Well, so this is actually a question I, I was going to ask is, so I've been just taking her to parking lots and just for the basic, like, hey, get used to like moving in a straight line and turning. That's better. That's the best way. Okay, yeah. great. So I did take her to a skate park nearby. One thing I want to be very aware of is not fucking with the people who are there because like it's mostly like people who know what they're doing and I don't want to mess with what they've got going on because I have this little kid who's just getting off the ground and people are like whipping by in this skate park we went to and they're doing tricks and stuff and she can like barely move. And the one I, we went to was pretty mm -hmm. small. So I was curious, like, I, you know, most people are going to be chill and realize it's a little kid and not worry about it. But yeah, what is the culture of a, it probably varies park to park too, but the culture of a skate park in terms of having like real beginners there, as opposed to people who are, you know, 
doing crazy shit. Well, definitely, yeah. It depends on what park you're at. For example, the park I grew up at, very accepting of anybody of any skill level. We, you know, try and help each other out a lot or help out beginners that would show up, especially little kids, because I mean, everybody started at one point and and nobody knew what they were doing at the beginning. So it's kind of cool to try and help people learn and figure it out. Yeah. Um, There are, you know, your douchebags that'll just get angry at people that don't know what they're doing, but those are terrible people and we shouldn't worry about them anyway. (laughs) So I think it just depends on the environment and it differs. But in general, I think these days the skateboarding community from what I've seen is very accepting and pretty helpful in general. Seems like everyone I know who's a regular skater is like the nicest person I know. Like they're all pretty chill, generally speaking. Me and Jarek, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you're Jarek. <laughs> you know, I've spent enough time in California that I know like a bunch of people who are like pretty in skate culture. I'm definitely not myself, but they're definitely all of the like kind people, you know, variety. Uh, I'm sure. Tr- are there any? This is such a granular question, but are there any particular skate parks you know in LA that are like especially good for beginners? So. I actually kind of get vibed out even a little in LA sometimes at skate parks because in Hawaii, I feel like the environment here is a lot less competitive. Yeah. Nobody's really trying to get sponsored or go pro. It's everyone's skating for fun out here. That's a generalization, but more so I see that here than in LA. Sure. Whereas in LA, I feel like a lot of people are training, trying to be the best, get the best they can be. And sometimes I'll show up to a park and everybody's you know, got their AirPods in. They're not talking to anybody, just trying to trick over and over. Yep. Whereas in Hawaii, I kind of get more of the vibe where everybody's just hanging out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to have a good time. Not saying that doesn't happen in LA. I think those sure. were just my experiences in LA. But those were also in some of the bigger cities for skateboarding. There were some skate parks I've gone to where it's outside of the big cities. It's a lot more chill, less oh, crowded. Sure. And yeah. those kind of have a more calm environment to it. But I also, I only lived in LA for like five or six years and I could have no idea what I'm talking about. I kind of got that vibe too from the couple I've been to. And it's not like I'm taking her to Venice or something where it's Mm going to be nuts. Like it was a little skate park nearby. So actually tomorrow I was just Googling. She has a day off from school tomorrow. I'm going to take her to a park and I'm just like, okay, what's like a pretty big one that seems kind of chill. And most kids will be in school tomorrow when she's off. So we'll probably have it to ourselves, but it's like, you got to be just kind of in that local, local scene to know what's up. It's very hard to tell mm-hmm. just from, you know, my middle-aged dad Googling what the, what the right <laughs> uh, environment is. If you look at a picture of a skate park too online, it'll kind of give you a good idea. If you see one with huge stair sets and rails, you know, obviously not good, but <laughs> yeah, you know, ones with like mellow banks, there's small obstacles to practice on, I think are the best things for learning. I learned most of my tricks in my parents' driveway right. for the first year of my skating. Most of my tricks I learned in that driveway, just either on the flat ground or they had like a slight slope that went into the street. Yeah. A skate park helps a lot. It's probably, I would have learned a lot faster outside of the driveway, but it depends no matter where you are, if you're motivated enough, you can kind of yeah. figure it out with whatever you have available to you. Her thing also is she wants to go straight to the tricks, like I'm sure a lot of people do. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. This kid has no fear with this kind of stuff. So when I took her to the skate park, there was a pretty steep ramp. And she's like, that. And I was like, honey, you don't <laughs> really know how to turn yet. So maybe like, <laughs> let's not do the 90 degree drop right away. <laughs> You know, let's try to like maybe go up a little hill and then go down and just, you know, 
that sort of thing. But that is the attitude of a good skater, though. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That sort of attitude is somebody that's going to really excel at skateboarding. Yep. So that's cool to hear. Well, my whole attitude with this for her is like, try it. Like, you know, it, it, as long as it doesn't seem extremely like that steep drop, I was like, that's too much for the slightly gentler things. I think she should always try stuff that's beyond her ability and then keep at it. She'll be motivated by it because that's how she works. And then, you know, just keep trying it. Like that seems from the very little I know about learning how to skateboard and learning how to do tricks and stuff. It's so aspirational. Like you see someone else do it and you're like, oh, I want to learn how to do that. And then you just try mm-hmm. it over and over and over until you until you get it. It's like 99% failure until right. you <laughs> get what you're... Yeah, I mean, even the most basic, like the ollie, for example. Do you know what ollie is? Just the, the basic jump? I do not know what an ollie is. I know the word, but I couldn't tell you what it is. It's the most basic maneuver to get your board off the ground. It's okay. like the jump, the bunny hop of skateboarding. Board goes up a little bit. You just kind of bounce it off the ground yeah. and come back down. Say there's like a little crack on the ground, a little leaf. Um, that's yeah. a trick you do to get over it. Okay, got And it. even something like that will take a long time to figure out. The most basic trick will take months and months. Some people even longer, you know? Yeah. It's just trying over and over and being okay with failing. Jarek, stop fingering your toes. Sorry. <laughs> so, whoa, did I miss that? This is a family show. <laughs> Sorry, I got oh, comfortable, yes. We dude. got some foot action. Yeah, really get that foot up by the camera, Jerry. Sorry, Jason. It's what the listeners want. No, I loved it. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm sad that I missed that. Layton, do you know what an ollie is? Did you know that? Yeah. Okay, well, don't. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's the one that I know. That's the only one. Shame him, shame him, shame him. <laughs> Yeah, you bastard. State shaming. So I'm curious, dude, when you were out here, what was the scene of like people trying to make it as pro skateboarders? I mean, was it super competitive? Were people nice? Was it difficult? Like, what was the deal? Everyone that I met was really nice. But when I say competitive, I meant mainly when I would go to skate parks. The vibes were very different from Hawaii. People training, uh, very serious about it. Almost didn't look like they were having fun. I'm sure they were in their own way. But, uh, yeah. you, know, you know, it's this very serious mindset where they're trying to train and learn tricks, which is good, which is also, I'm not saying that's bad. That's how you get better at skating. Yeah. A lot of my skating. So there's skating and skate parks and then there's street skating. That's yeah. uh, the bad boy no-no stuff where, you know, you're topping fences, going into schools or whatever. Right. And when I would go to skate parks, that's where I'd see more competitive attitudes about it. But when you go to street spots, you're filming. It's mainly the skaters. You have a filmer. Yeah. You go into a spot. You try and film a trick for like three hours to get like right. a two-second clip for a video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's right. crazy. And I met most of my best friends in skating at street spots. Just like at some schools are famous for skating, you know, mm-hmm. businesses, yeah. even loading docks behind like a Target or something. Right. And there's some famous spots. And at those are where I met most of my best friends. I feel like when I would go to skate parks, there wasn't too much interaction. Again, relative to Hawaii, that's just why I compare everything to. No, no, sure. But I guess it, it also all depends. I'm not saying it was that way for every skate park, because I also met some really cool people at skate parks in LA as well. For sure, for sure. By the time you moved here, were you already a pro when you moved to LA or like you moved here in order to like... You know. Yeah, I moved here to pursue it. So in Hawaii, all I had available was going out filming with my friends and then making videos and uploading them to YouTube. And that's kind of how I got my start. 
And I picked up some sponsors that way, but not really a whole lot was available to me being separated out in Hawaii. And I basically had a bunch of companies reach out, not a bunch, but a couple. And they were telling me, hey, like, just let us know if you ever moved to LA, if you're ever out here, we'd love to work with you. I had all these opportunities lined up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was pumped, but I couldn't really do anything out here. So one day I talked to my parents about it, planned it out, and they were cool with it. You know, surprising Asian parents <laughs> having their son drop out of college to pursue skateboarding. You think that'd be a nightmare for them? Oh, you dropped out of college to do it. Got it. Yeah, I was in college. I really had no idea what I wanted to do in college. I was just skating every day sure. and kind of getting my work done to find time to skate and film. Yeah. So I figured, hey, I'm kind of like wasting money anyway, being 100%. here directionless. <laughs> yep. Why don't I try this? Also worked at Sears for around two years to save uh-huh. up money to move. Nice. Yeah, that That's awesome. Terrible time. What department at Sears? So I started in footwear and I worked my way up to the home bedding area where I had better reception on my phone. So <laughs> you know, I was downstairs in like footwear and I like couldn't mess around on my phone. I had no reception. I was just like deal with shoes and then worked my way up so I could kind of hide in the back room. Up there, I had like a little back stock room up there that I could kind of hide in and like play on my phone for 15 minutes before people realized I was gone. Uh-huh. So that was kind of nice. That's the stuff. Yeah. I love that the hierarchy of postings at Sears is based on how good your cell reception is. <laughs> that's in my mind, it awesome. was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also the, the corresponding level of body. At the bottom, you've got shoes. At the top, we're coming full circle. Pillows for your head. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Folks, I have to go for reasons that I can't say on this show. No! I know, it's tragic. Here, real quick, we're going to play a quick true or false, <laughs> okay, about the reasons you have to go. Is it for uh-huh. foot reasons? I don't think legally I, I can say. Also, I didn't ask you a true or false question. <laughs> I realized I completely abandoned my own premise before I even started. <laughs> You know, my lawyer advised me not to say anything about whether or not this is related to certain foot issues, but I'm mm. not not saying that it's not. True or false, what part of the body is this related to? <laughs> True. <laughs> you passed. Yes. You're telling the truth, right. guys. All right, Layton. All right. Well, anyway, thank you, as always, for showing up. Thanks. I try. Uh, I didn't write anything down for Peaches What's Poppin', but I will say all three Layton nights were in the same room for the Twerp Show and Rich Alcoin yeah. Show last week, and it was fucking great. amazing. And that oh, is yeah. all three yep. of my Peaches and What's Poppin'. All right. Great. Ooh. Take it sleazy, boys. Jason, so nice to meet you. I can't <laughs> wait to hear how the rest of this conversation goes. So great to meet you. We're going to miss you, okay? We're going to yeah. miss you. But have fun. I feel like I should have like a handkerchief to wave like a boat leaving, except I'm, I'm the boat. Are you wearing shorts? Or are those your like boxers? What are you in, by the way? Because I noticed that earlier when the blanket revealed the bottom half of your body, <laughs> something was going on there. And I was curious and now I'm asking what's going on. What if I said I was in nothing now? That would be great. Dude, so fucking I was like stretching in my boxers after I play tennis. <laughs> I stretch all the time. And there's like this like service box for the internet for my whole apartment complex. And my property manager and this like woman just comes by while I'm like stretching <laughs> basically in the nude. And I'm like, thanks, man. Like, thanks for the fucking heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you know Jason was in a Deftones music video? No, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Speaking about skating around in LA, because those are all like classic LA spots that you hit. Yeah, that was really fun. Which video first? Uh, it was a song called Romantic Dreams. Uh-huh. And I'll admit, I had never even heard of the Deftones when I got hit up to do that music video. And now I'm a big fan of them. Love their music. They rule. They're so great. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible band. But yeah, I got hit up about it through my friend. So the band contacted my friend, who's like a videographer to make a skate video for one of their music videos because I guess a lot of the band has a history with skating and he hit me up to be basically just the guy in the video so we just went out three nights filming around downtown LA to film that video for Romantic Dreams and it was cool because I had no idea how big the band was or anything about them when I got hit up about them. Big band, yeah. Yeah, they're huge. But at the time I was like, okay, that, that sounds like a fun project. I'll just do some stupid tricks and like goof around. I mean, I still like tried hard for it, but it was like after we were done filming and I kind of figured out, whoa, this band's like a really big deal. And I yeah. had no idea. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah, huge fan of them now, for sure. Were they in the video with you? No, I wish I got to meet them. But the whole video is just me skating for the whole video at night. Oh, cool. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah which uh, I don't know why they wanted that, but I thought it was cool from a biased perspective because I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. But I hope they, yeah, I hope they liked like the stupid shit that I did in that video for them. Were they just like, go for it, do what you do? Or did they give you like... No direction whatsoever. Yeah, it was yeah. like, oh, just go and film a skate video downtown, wow. which was nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I totally forgot that even happened. But that was uh, when I first moved to LA, one of the first jobs that well job you know like uh things like that that i got hooked up with and it was right around the area i was living in in downtown la so my friend that films would like meet me where i was living then we just like go out and skate for like four hours and film and then come back That's and awesome. do it again two more nights yeah it was great if you're a full-time pro like how do you make ends meet where does the money come from you're getting sponsorships obviously and stuff like that or oh there's like very little money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's not much money to receive, but basically right. yeah, from sponsorships. So when I first moved out there, I was making ends meet through one, through doing small paid projects. Like Tony Hawk had this YouTube channel called Ride Channel. So I would do projects with them, you know, go down, take a train to San Diego, film a couple videos for them, like 200 bucks a piece. Yeah. Make, you know, like four to 800 bucks, take the train back up to LA. And that would support me for a while. And the second was a good old EBT. That saved Ah. my life. (laughs) Although it's crazy because I had the EBT, but I was smoking a lot of weed at the time. I don't anymore, but I would just get super high and go to the store and get like Eggo waffles and ice cream. And I'd (laughs) buy like $50 worth of that. And I'd be like, look what I got, everyone. And we'd make the Eggos like into taco shells and put the ice cream in. That's like all I would eat uh, at night. And I was getting very little nourishment or vitamins, whatever your body needs. I don't know what your body needs, obviously. When you're like, whatever, 22, you can get by on that shit, but not for like much longer. You know, yeah, now I eat like a piece of fried chicken, and I think I'm gonna die, so it's a totally different world. Like, I'm having a heart attack, but that was my life back then, I guess. Wow, back to the question I totally forgot about talking about egos and whatever. Now, most of my income comes from well, sponsorships, so products that are sold with my name on it, soiled, I almost said, which is also accurate, soiled <laughs> with my name on it, uh, weirdly accurate. Uh, royalties off of product sales, 
now a lot of it is social media doing yeah like ads and stuff brand deals that yeah, sort of yeah, thing yeah. and since i started doing youtube that's also become a significant source of my income which is not a lot i don't make a lot of money but it's enough to pay my mortgage so i that's pretty much what i think about i'm like oh i can pay for electricity and everything yeah yeah totally so brian i feel like jason entered youtube in the very og YouTube days. Like I found Jason's first YouTube channel, Rip Slip Brush Jason. That's the same channel I still use. Is it still? I thought it was Jason Park Sucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. I changed the URL. You can change it once, but if you yes. type in Rip Slip Brush Jason, it'll still guide you to my channel. It's still the same channel. Wow. That's why for NSP, we didn't want to change it. We were able to add like another one. So we had youtube.com slash ninja sex party. And then we got slash NSP. And I was like, well, that's probably pretty good. And then I was like, oh shit, I can just buy URLs and have them redirect to that. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a good idea. We bought buttsex.info and had it <laughs> redirect to, to the NSP channel. I think we have a few others or, or something, but I was like, oh, we don't even need to rename the channel. Just get some you know, funny URLs and see what happens. Yeah. Dot info is good. Tasteful. Yeah, right. Thank you. That's what I Tasteful. wanted. That's exactly the vibe I was going for. Tasteful. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. A good contrast uh, between the two parts that are separated by that period. Yeah, but you entered the YouTube space when YouTube was still like a weird uh, kind of like... Like pre-Google. Yeah. Right? Pre-like Google, like Gmail. Yeah. And it was like archaic and like kind of lo-fi... Like you were still shooting on like mini DV. Mini DV cameras. Oh, nice. Yeah, whatever my parents had. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. their camera. Yeah. And it was like kind of like awesome. that the arrow that the rise of like Smosh. Oh, yeah. Wasn't Smosh just like two guys? Yeah, it was like before? those two emo haired guys. They were really funny. Yeah. I was watching them growing up. Yeah, Ian and Anthony. Yeah. How has YouTube changed since 07? Rip, slip, brush, Jason. Which is a callback to like Colgate, um, the finger things, right? That you like brush your teeth with. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. How do you know that? You remember those commercials? Yeah, it was like rip, slip, brush. Ah, fuck. I yeah. never would have picked up on that. Now that you say it, I remember that, but I never would have gotten that. Because yeah. I started my channel and I was just like, what do I name it? Uh, and at the time, I thought those commercials were, I wouldn't say I thought they were funny in the way that they intended, but I would <laughs> you know, say it all the time and harass my friends with that. So I was like, oh, rip, slip, brush, uh, Jason, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm a stupid idiot. I don't Nothing matters. And then that just became the thing. But I think YouTube, when did it start? Like 2005, maybe? 2006? Right around there. Something like that, yeah. And I think I created my channel in 2006, like maybe less than a year wow. after YouTube actually launched. And I was just, yeah, uploading skate videos. I would film on my parents' mini DV camera and edit. Because before that, I was already filming skate videos and I would just burn them to not even DVDs, you know, like CDRs and yep, give them yep, out to yep. my friends to watch. So that was a cool outlet yeah. for me. I was like, oh, now I could just send them all my terrible videos. And back then it was just purely for fun. Like now people are making crazy, just these insane lifestyles off of YouTube money. Back then it was just all for fun and videos. You know, people are uploading weird, creepy. Uh, I don't even want to see the stuff I saw back then was disturbing. <laughs> so I was doing videos like that for a while. And that's kind of how I got my start in skating was just through uploading videos on YouTube and putting them out there, not really expecting that to happen, but it was mainly just for my friends. Then people around the world kind of started watching them 
which is interesting. It's great. Yeah, it was, it's crazy that I, I kind of started doing that at the time I did. It really opened up a lot of doors for me and I wouldn't be living the life I am today without YouTube. Uh, you know, even as a like full-time YouTuber now, I think you're the person I've talked to who started their channel the earliest. Like that's really early days for YouTube. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy because I didn't realize it at the time. Now I look back, I'll watch, you know, weird documentaries on YouTube channels and they'll be like, oh, they started all the way back in like 2007. And I was like, oh, like I started my channel before that. But at the time, I didn't realize YouTube was going to be this big thing. No. I had no idea. I was uploading my videos to weird. I think there were other sites similar to YouTube, but they were like all pretty terrible. Yeah. And a lot of it was like uploading your videos to links and having people download them on like message board forums right, and right. stuff. Yes. And yeah. All this creepy stuff. So YouTube was awesome. They did their job pretty well, what it was supposed to do. It was very effective. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I can just upload my videos here. Then in 2012, maybe I quit YouTube. I didn't quit, but I went from uploading videos constantly to like, okay, now I'm going to focus on skating. I'm out here in LA. Didn't upload for like a decade, almost, mm -hmm. maybe like seven or eight years. And then when I was getting married, when I got engaged to my wife, I realized, okay, I'm barely making any money. How do I have a successful marriage? And my wife, it was actually her idea. She's like, oh, you should start making YouTube videos again. Like people are making like good money off of YouTube. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So I started doing that, started building up my channel again. And now I make more money through YouTube than I do through like my sponsors, which again, I want to stress is not very much. <laughs> I think about this all the time. Like the career that you have, that I have kind of wasn't possible. Like, I don't know, 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, there were pro skaters, obviously, but not like it wasn't a YouTube culture where you could make money just from your videos. You know, despite all the incredible bullshit that the uh, Internet provides, I, I think all the time about like, I couldn't fucking be doing this in the late 90s. Yeah. I'd have to be on a label and I wouldn't have as much control over it. All these terrible ideas I have for songs would be be floundering that they, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to put them out. Instead, I could have the worst idea possible and just be like, yeah, I'll fucking do that. Sure. Why not? And then put it out there for people to see. It's kind of incredible. I remember when we launched the Ninja Sex Party channel in 2009. Oh, wow. Which at the time we were like, well, fuck, we missed the YouTube peak. Like, damn it. You know, it's, it's already crested. Well, I guess we'll get in and, you know, no one will pay attention, but why not? Not knowing that it would just keep going up, 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 up. Yeah. I think Aaron was telling me, or maybe somebody else, there was like a monetization button. Were you around for that, Jason? Or oh, I was listening to like a podcast or something. There's like, oh, I should have monetized this. Oh, I think it was oh, yeah. the kid who was like high because he got his wisdoms pulled out. Well, I remember there was a point where they started allowing monetization. Yeah. I don't remember exactly right. when that was. But there was a point where like, okay, now you can earn money. And that was crazy. That was the game changer. Right. It happened around when I was starting to not focus on YouTube as much. I mean, I was using a lot of copyrighted music anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to monetize right. it theoretically. But that happened around when I was not focusing on YouTube as much. But that was crazy. It definitely changed a lot of people's lives. And it's like you were saying, yeah. like out of all the bullshit that the internet spews out, we've been able to make these careers. It's because we're that bullshit. That's I us. Know. <laughs> it's awesome. It's crazy. But we're, we're the fun bullshit, not the harmful bullshit. Oh, yeah. That's the good side of it. Going back to copyrighted music, Jason, I feel like I owe a lot of my musical taste because of Rip Slip Brush Jason. Oh, shit. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 
Brian, if you didn't know this, I was listening to just like reggae or like whatever like the radio was playing in Hawaii. But like I feel like my mm-hmm. entrance into indie rock was through Jason's YouTube channel. Oh, no way. That's how I found out about Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, the Spinto Band, really? Wolf Parade, Architecture in Helsinki, like all these insane wow. like indie rock bands. And I'm always curious, yeah. Jason, where did you find like Clap Your Hands? Where did you find the Spinto Band, Architecture in Helsinki, Wolf Parade? Where did you find like all these people that changed my life, basically. Thank you, by the way. That's really cool to hear. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, all those bands I love. I spent so much time on my computer, on the internet, and a large majority of it was just researching music, you know, going down rabbit holes for like five hours. Yep. And, you know, back then you don't have Spotify, like, oh, Discover Weekly. It's just going to weird, obscure websites, uh, different MySpaces for obscure bands. It was crazy back then. I remember even talking to, for example, like MGMT. I would like message them when they first put out their first version of Kids and nobody knew who they were. And I was like, can you send me the lyrics to this song? (laughs) Because I guess we used to look up lyrics to songs. And they're like, yeah, sure. Thanks for listening to our music. Oh, dude, we used to get those emails all the time. Like, can you send me the instrumental track? Can you send me the lyrics? And when we were first starting out, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Here's the the instrumental. Have fun. Wow. Wait, I I do remember hearing the first version of Kids on Rip Slip Brush Jason, and they emailed you the lyrics to Kids. I messaged them on MySpace because normally, like, I don't know why, when I liked a song, I would Google search like that song and lyrics, and I'd like read them and try to memorize them because I'm a piece of shit. And then theirs weren't on Google. So I just messaged them. I'm like, can you send me the lyrics, please? And they're like, yeah, sure. Amazing. Holy shit. In hindsight, why would I care well, about that? Holy shit. Because th- there was also that stretch there, which was actually pretty long when it was like, oh, MySpace is where bands hang out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there yeah. was like a big band thing for longer than MySpace was like a non-band thing, right? Yeah, exactly. I actually remember now why I used to look up lyrics because- I would try and like study them almost like a poem or like a book and try and really get the meaning of what the song was as opposed to now I'm just listening to it. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But back then I would actually try and find, you know, the deeper meaning of what they were saying. Even if there was none, I would try and interpret some sort of deeper meaning from whatever I was listening to. Right. That's awesome. But yeah, I don't know. Just deep diving on the internet in my free time. That's the weird part is I can't even tell you where I got most of those from. Just playlists, MySpace is going to one's band page and looking at like what was on the next page or like who they follow and who they follow, that sort of thing. And a lot of it was even going to like websites where it had a bunch of obscure music and just looking at whatever name sounded cool or whatever album artwork just looked cool and having no idea and just doing hundreds of times until I found something that I thought was... Well, dude, you guys are both too young, probably. Yeah, you must have been for the heyday of Napster mm. and that shit. Oh, I was there. You were there? Okay. Because that's I remember just doing that with, with bands and Napster and just being like, you know, oh, here's a guy like every track. And then, yeah. you know, then and then that would lead you to somewhere else. And just downloading, because back in those days, right, it was like, this could all go away at any second. Like, there's constant lawsuits, you know, Metallica's mm-hmm. going crazy. And, like, it just felt like, all right, we have a limited amount of time. The clock is ticking. Let's get all the music we can. <laughs> By the way, for everybody listening, I do not illegally download music anymore, you know. <laughs> you would never do that. No, of course, me. <laughs> but 
at the time, like I was just like, fuck yeah, bring it on. Yeah. I remember getting the whole like Led Zeppelin discography, like everything off Napster and stuff, just to like be like, why the fuck not? I'm pretty sure I was a LimeWire person. I was dude, yes, I was also a LimeWire but after Napster was first. Kazaa, anybody? Uh-huh. All of them. <laughs> all yeah. of them. I was all three. I was all three as well. That's exactly right. Yes. I remember LimeWire. You could also download videos on LimeWire. And I'm pretty sure Gino and I downloaded Bag of Suck. Accidentally downloaded. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, like new Will Smith music video. (laughs) You download it like I'm going to jail. Oh, yeah. Remember people would do that is they would fake title it and it'd be some disturbing shit. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like a beheading video. And you're like, I just wanted to watch the Backstreet Boys music video. It's uh, (laughs) no. Yeah, I guess that's what we get for illegally downloading things, right? <laughs> yes, <on> exactly. us. <laughs> yeah. They really got us. <laughs> Speaking of illegally downloading and just plugging people's music, Jason, have anybody from that 07, 06 era to like 2010, have any of those bands like come back at you and flag your videos or, you know, asked you for money or got your shit taken down because you use their they stuff? They must have had auto claims. It'd be wild if they didn't, right? Exactly. It auto claims music that it recognizes through any of the videos. So when I was able to monetize, none of that was able to be monetized because it would just automatically flag them all. Right. Like as soon as you upload a video, it scans it and tells you if there's any copyright detected. So I think a way a lot of it works is that you're allowed to keep the video up, but then that band just keeps the revenue. That's right. Wow. It just works out perfectly. So you can kind of use whatever music you want still. And then that band is keeping the revenue, but you can still publish what you want with the copyrighted content. So I think that's a good system. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. I think technically they could come after you for using their music if they wanted to, but Mm. generally Mm -hmm. they don't care. And also that's a dick move. Like that's going to be such bad press for any band that does that. I'm like, don't do that. Well, it depends on the content also, right? If they're using your music and it's some video of something disturbing, you probably don't want to be associated with that. Yeah. You probably want them to take it down. Right. Dude, yeah. I feel like, did you use the skin of my yellow country teeth? And did you use Polyphonic Spree before they were on Scrubs and The Office, like respectively? Uh, I didn't even realize they were on Scrubs and The Office. I never watched Scrubs, <laughs> but uh, I love Polyphonic Spree and uh, love Clap Your Hands. I don't know how I discovered them, but I did use them before those shows because uh, the fact that I can't remember they were even on those shows is right. an indication of that, maybe. <laughs> but... Yeah, dude, have you listened to Clap Your Hands recently? Like some of their recent stuff over the past, no. you know, five, seven years is really, really good. Yes. Oh, really? I mean, it's just that one guy now, right? Alec Owensworth. And yeah. dude, so I kind of like know Alec Owensworth now just from like going to shows oh, wow. in like California. And the first time that I saw him live, I was under 21. I was living in San Diego, so I had to drive up to Santa Ana to see him play because that venue that they had... It was all ages. and But get this. So I go down to San Diego. They're waiting outside the Casbah, which is this like 21 and over club. And it was the tour that, I forget what record it was, but it was like this blue record. But then they also had Nick Krill from the Spinto Band playing. He's a lead singer of the Spinto Band. No way. Yeah. And so I pull up to the Casbah just to like buy a CD from Alec Owensworth. And I'm like, hey man, like I'm a big fan. You know, I've been listening to you since like the breakthrough record. And then Nick Krill walks outside, and I'm like, dude, is that Nick Krill right there? And he's like, yeah, you want to say hi to him? 
hey, Nick, this kid loves the Spinto band. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. But yeah, Clap Your Hands is still great. I still love that band. I still peek in. I should check out their recent stuff. I've listened to stuff in like 10 years or something. Dude, that guy is like the epitome of like indie rock still. I don't think he's like signed to any. Maybe he has like a UK deal, but I think he's still like self-releasing. What's the indie scene uh, where you guys grew up? I mean, there's obviously bands because there's bands everywhere. But is there like a, you know, a band you can point to that like came out of Hawaii recently or not recently, but some, you know, last 20 years that kind of popped off? Personally, not really. I mean, there are some that kind of blew up, but relatively blew up in the local scene. Not very many bands kind of hit it big from Hawaii, I don't think. What do you think, Jerk? No, no, like indie rock bands. I mean, there are like a couple of local ones I can think of, but I don't think they've like broken through like sure. touring the states yet. That's weird, right? You'd think there'd be like yeah. one or two or something. I think there's like one Hawaii band called Ragamuffs, and they're cool. That's a cool like indie rock. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. pretty cool. Shout out my friend's band, The Bougies. The Bougies. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of The Bougies. No one's no. heard of them, but they're like my friend's band. They're really awesome. I saw them. Um, I think I went to see naked and famous in hawaii and they were like opening for them and i thought they were really awesome and so after they played you know they came back to watch the show and i went up to the singer and i was like hey like your music is really awesome like you guys are really cool and he's like are you the skater and i was like uh (laughs) i'm I'm like a skater and so we kind of became friends and now i use their music in some of my youtube videos but they're they're pretty cool oh that's cool yeah i love it just like the local music scene is pretty small so um like it we're is. talking about not many bands, really. The biggest guy from Hawaii until Bruno Mars was Jack Johnson. He was like the oh yeah rock star okay. out mm-hmm. of Hawaii. And then before that, it was like um, Don Ho. Don Ho. I feel like Don Ho was yeah. like probably the biggest like crack out of like Hawaii. Yeah, for sure. And then, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack Johnson and then Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars like sold out like the football stadium like three nights in a row. Fuck. Fucking insane but the music back home was just like primarily reggae which is cool within itself there must be like some kind of hip-hop scene or something right not really not really i mean there definitely is but i'm sure we don't know about it yeah well yeah like i'm sure there's a lot of reggae bands that are probably huge worldwide but i just wouldn't know about them speaking of reggae jason do you surf (laughs) speaking of reggae do you (laughs) surf (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that's the episode title <laughs> speaking of reggae do you surf because every time i like tell people i'm like from hawaii they're like oh so you like surfing right or do you surf i'm pretty sure that's like one of the first questions jim roach asked me he's like oh so like do you surf I'm like bro no yeah but you like reggae so <laughs> so what the fuck must surf <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so have you ever tried surfing before? Gone like three or four times. My brother and my dad are really into it. I've gone like three or four times to try it out. It's fun. I love it, but I'm I'm not great. You know, I can like stand up on a wave. I actually had this idea for a video that I went and brought a skateboard and a, I went surfing with a skateboard and I was trying to like catch <laughs> a wave and then jump on my board and then do tricks, but I couldn't figure it out. That sounds really hard. Jesus. I went surfing in full on skate clothing too, because I thought it'd be funnier, like long pants, <laughs> like skate shoes. And as a filthy howling that I am, you know, uh-huh. yeah. but I could not make any of it work. And then that idea got scrapped. That footage probably is just like deleted yeah. somewhere. Real quick. What do we think about skimboarding? What the fuck is skimboarding? I don't know what that means. <laughs> 
You know what skimboarding is, right, Jason? Like, you do that on the beach. It's like the tinier board, like the oval, and you do it kind of like on the sand where there's like a little bit of water. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Obviously, just... by my lack of knowledge, I have no <laughs> idea about it. It sounds like you have an opinion, Jarek. What's your opinion on <laughs> <of> skimboarding? <laughs> I think skimboarding is kind of like the rollerblading or scootering of water sports, of like the boarded water sports. <laughs> uh-huh. This is crazy. Wait, wait. What are the other boarded water sports? There's so many. Tell me. There's like surfing. There's bodyboarding. Yes. There's like stand-up paddleboarding, which is also kind of like the scootering of okay, the water sure. sports. Isn't bodyboarding like a lack of a board well, whatsoever? that's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. There's no, like, <laughs> the whole point is that there's no board, but anyway, continue. I guess the body is the board. It's some sort I of guess. like metaphor, maybe. I don't know. Just like my mind of like, uh, just go surf, like, or like, just go like bodyboard or something. <laughs> Why do this shit? Are you board shaming people? I am. That's definitely cool. is. That's exactly what's happening. Exactly. Right now. Come on, man. How inappropriate! As a reggae lover, you're gonna go ahead and board shame people. <laughs> yeah, you're fucked, Jarek. You're fucked. <laughs> Come on. Not cool. Don't tell me you pull up to a spot and there's like just like a bunch of people on like scooters and rollerblades and like god damn not that i'm like any good but like come on <laughs> it sounds like you're setting up a soundbite that could be pulled and quoted out of context just to get jason in trouble you're trying to cancel me <laughs> yeah that's exactly right and now i'm gonna cancel you for your board oh, shaming that's what's gonna happen there's the headline podcast producer annihilated by skateboarder <laughs> <laughs> I think we should move on to our, our segments. Great. Perfect. Let's segment away. Cool. So our first segment is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is where you get to talk about book, movie, video game, whatever it is that you're into. This segment is called What's Poppin'? And Jarek adds the theme song in post, so you're not going to hear it now, but it will go right here. What's Poppin'? What's poppin'? Okay, that was the What's Poppin' theme song. The song is the same. Do you ever change it? Because I've heard this on other ones. Is it the same song? It's the same song, yes. It's a great song. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Big fan. Uh, Wow. See, you did the work, and I got to respect that, so thank you. Jerk, what's poppin'? What's poppin' for me is Charlie XCX's new record mm. it's called crash it's the one where she's like on the car and it's like the glasses all shattered and shit but there's this one song specifically and i posted it into our discord and i think only one person responded to it so people must hate charlie xcx <laughs> or you oh. <laughs> I'm just, no. No, no. Uh, delete that delete that yeah. <laughs> it's this one song called yuck and it's just so good. It's one of those like pop songs that's kind of like R&B a little bit. It's so short. Maybe they did this on purpose, but you just keep playing it over and over again because you want to hear it. It's like two minutes and 20 seconds. I think that's like a scheme too that I kind of learned in audio schools. It is. Yeah. They just like make it short. And yeah. You want to make a pop song so that people can like keep playing it over and over again. Little Nas X does this all the time. You know, a song, it's like a minute and 30 seconds and then you put it out and it's like oh cool i'll just listen to that a thousand times yeah so yeah what's bothering for me is try the xcx's new record crash hope that's the right name jason what's <laughs> <laughs> so, 
as a reggae lover, it's very brave of you to step out of your boundaries to promote other genres. I think that's really cool. I think we should adopt the, as a reggae lover, comma, what do you think of Blop for a total non sequitur? Like, since you like reggae, you know, what do you think about the, the PS5? I, yeah. I don't fuck up. Jason, what's popping with you? So this is not any new music, but recently I've been listening to a lot of uh, Frida. I think her full name is like Frida Sundemo, Sundemo. I don't know how to say it, but her music is really relaxing to me. So she has like her versions of her songs and then what she calls pure versions, which are kind of more like acoustic, like calm piano versions. Oh, cool. And most nights before I go to sleep, I'll put on a playlist of the pure versions of all Frida's music. I'll put on a game of Settlers of Catan on my phone against nice. two computers. I'll play through a game to 13 points to a playlist of Frida's music, and then I'll go to bed. And that's how I unwind. That's a great ritual. It's amazing. Yeah, Frida Sundemo. And I don't know if you've heard of Gunship, but I'm really into them. Kind of like a synth wave, heavy synth band. Very like 80s inspired. Gunship, really awesome. Their album called Dark All Day, I consider one of the greatest albums of all time. Okay. Oh, shit. I gotta write that down. Yeah. They have this song called The Gates of Disorder, which is like the last song on the album that is, I'd say, like top five favorite songs ever made. Wow. So awesome. that's what's popping with me, Gunship. And I use one of their songs for one of my video parts, actually. Tech Noir was the name of one of their songs I used for one of my video parts a couple, like four years ago. For which video? My video part was called Tech Noir, but that oh. was also the name of the song. It was supposed to be a pun because of tech skateboarding, you know, but it was stupid. And I'm sure nobody got that because it only makes sense to me because I'm an idiot. But that's how it worked in my brain. So yeah, Gunship and Frida Sundemo. That's what's popping for me. Cool. What's popping with you, Brian? What's popping with me is I'm not sure I've ever recommended a comic book before on this show. Nope. Ooh. I didn't grow up reading comics, but... Around, I don't know, in my like mid-20s, I got really into graphic novels and collecting trades of various books. And the series I started reading, I don't know, three or so years ago, turns out it ended within the last year or something. And so I just got the last trade in the series. It's three trades. The book is called Crowded, like exactly like you think. So the idea of the book is it's like a near-future kind of dystopian thing where there's a crowdfunding app for hits oh. to kill someone. And this girl like wakes up one day and finds out that people are crowdfunding a hit on her and she has no idea why. So everybody in this universe, it's all gig economy stuff. She's like a dog walker slash Uber driver slash food delivery. She's just picking up money left and right doing these little gig economy things. And so she hires a defender on an app to defend her from the hit who's this other woman and basically the deal is if they can ride out 30 days then the hit is off and legally she can't be killed during this period if someone murders her and claims the money it's completely legal so it's oh. like that's the kind of dystopian thing this book it's nuts i mean it's just like super fast-paced really fun art actually funny a bunch of it, like the, a lot of the first trade happens in LA and then they go further afield. It's great. I haven't finished it yet. Uh, I'm almost done with the second trade and it's just, it's really, really fun and interesting and one of the best things I've read in a while. So yeah, Crowded, written by uh, Christopher Sabella. 
Mm. That sounds awesome. So are comics like synonymous with graphic novels? I don't really know the difference. I mean, I used to read like Garfield and Calvin and Hobbes, <laughs> but I'm assuming it's a, a very different than that, right? Is it like a different genre? Yeah, yeah. So this was like published in comic books, like, you know, typical comic book, you know, like 24 page comics or whatever. Oh, okay. And then you get whatever, six of those and collect them into a paperback volume. And so, and those are usually called the trades. So the whole run of this book is just three volumes of trades, each of which has, I don't know, six or eight comic books in it. So it, the chapters in the paperback are the different books that were released one by one. Yeah. So it's like a comic book you could buy as a standalone comic book, weekly, monthly, whatever the hell it was in a comic book store. And now you can buy the collected versions. Hmm. Okay, that's awesome. And immediately after I asked my question, I realized how stupid it was because... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it very plausibly could have been a graphic novel too. Like they put graphic novels out in volumes too. It could be either. But yeah, this one was released book by book. That sounds awesome. I like that. Yeah, it's really worth checking out. Yeah. It's not a dumb question because when I first heard graphic novels, I thought I was going to be like naked and nudes and like naked characters so. <laughs> so that's your experience with reading graphic content yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes is that true when you first heard the term graphic novel as a kid yeah. you thought it was like graphic content yes exactly because that's where i my mind whether it were graphic that's where it goes graphic content so i love the idea of like i don't know 12 year old jarek being like, oh shit, I just got a graphic novel. Hell yeah. This Winnie the Pooh story is going to get fucking hot. And then you open it up and it's just like Disney shit or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Should we move on to our next segment? Yeah. Do you want to introduce it, Jark? Yeah. So our next segment is called Peaches and Lemons is gratitude exercise based off of a gratitude exercise that Layton's family used to do, right? Layton's family started it. Yeah, I think it was was her aunt, maybe. Shout out Layton. We miss <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> so three peaches are... At her foot convention. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Right in her foot content. Three peaches are good things that happen to you. A lemon is a bad thing. I'm going to also plug that we have pins for these that Layton designed. Oh, um, wow. Look at this. Layton designs a pin, so check that out. Merch.laytonnight.com. Wow, Jarek, look at you. <laughs> the theme song for Peaches and Lemons goes here. Peaches and Lemons. Peaches and Lemons. All right, that was the theme song. Cool. Oh, this is the other thing that I need to bring up, Jason. I don't know if you noticed this too, and we'll get into the segment, but do you notice that everybody in Hawaii loves to add S's to everything? Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, give us examples. So people back home love to say Rosses instead of Ross. Like the clothing store. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, what? Ross? What's yeah. Ross? What Ross, like Ross the, the department store, the, the clothing store. Oh, oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Oh, it's so much more than just clothing, Jarek. <laughs> <laughs> and this, okay. It's like uh, people who say Barnes and Nobles, right? Instead of Barnes and Noble. Yes, exactly. I feel yeah. like that's just like a regional Hawaii thing. So that was the thing I thought about today is the addition of making everything plural. Is the thing that made you think of that peaches and lemons? Yes, because I just said peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemon. Which is what it should be. Yeah, yes. totally. All right, who wants to tell their lemon first? I can go first. So as I'll talk about my peaches in a few minutes here, I took a trip last weekend back to the East Coast, and the end of that trip was going to be 
hanging out with a bunch of college friends, like people I haven't seen in a long time, tacked on an extra day to see my buddy's new house and like hang out with some buds I don't get to see. And then the morning that I was driving out there, he texts a picture of a COVID test and he's like, guess what? <laughs> and he's totally fine. He actually was able to get Paxlovid, which is great. But we've had this plan for two months and oh. it just got completely scuttled. And obviously mm. the main thing is that he's not sick and his family is not there. He's like, it's the definitely the mild, mild version. Oh, so is this the lemon? This is the lemon. Yeah. I thought that was the peach and I was like no. waiting for, okay, that makes, I was like, oh, you're pumped. Your <laughs> yeah. friend got COVID. I was like, <laughs> yeah. And my peach is that this guy, I've been waiting for him to get COVID for two years. He finally got it. He deserves it. Like, oh, this is the yeah. lemon. He uh, says, <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was the peach. I guess I just totally heard wrong at the beginning. I was like, this is the weirdest peach. Like, where's this going? Yeah. Oh, that's great. That makes more way more sense. <laughs> anyway, the reason it's not a disaster is because he's, he's not that sick. It's just a bummer that, oh, we had to like cancel the whole thing. And, you know, mm. he's got to like isolate himself for, for a little bit. But I've been talking to him and checking in and he's totally fine. It's just like, oh, well, that extra day didn't quite happen. Yeah. That's my lemon. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that's a bummer. I can go next. Sure. As you all know, listening, Late at Night was in the same room for the first time ever since I started producing it. We were all in the same room yeah. for the Twerp show. I saw that picture. Great photo of you guys, by the way. Very uh, stoic expressions. That's what we do, yeah. So we also see Rich O'Coin, and I met him at the merch line. I bought a shirt. I was like, hey, like... I want this shirt in a medium. He's like, oh, yeah, this is like my Joy Division ripoff shirt. And I'm like, dope. Hell yeah. He's like, oh, you know what? This is the last medium. Sick. Fuck yeah. And so I'm like waiting outside, you know, because I want to try to go say hi to the twerp guys. But unfortunately, it didn't work out. And so out of nowhere, it just starts dumping in L.A. Dumping rain. Fucking yep. insane. And I looked at the weather app. It's like 100% rain. I'm like, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> it starts dumping rain on you and you yeah. have to check the weather app to make sure <laughs> it's going to rain. You're like, what's percent of this is supposed to happen? Well, as a reggae lover, he's pretty into checking the weather app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Classic reggae stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a reggae lover, I wanted to see how long this rain was going to last, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, fuck, okay, it's going to go for like two more hours. So... I book it to my car because the telegram, they're like kicking everybody out and pushing everybody into the rain. So I book it to my car and I put Rich's shirt in like my coat pocket. And then I have my sunglasses in my breast pocket. So I'm pulling up to my car and I'm running and then my sunglasses fall out of my breast pocket and into the water that's flowing down the street. And I'm like, oh fuck. God. Oh my God. I stick my hand into the water like I'm grabbing a fish out of the river. And I'm like, okay, fuck, I'm fucking soaked. So I get in my car, and I'm like, all right, it's okay. I got this rich shirt that I'll just change into. And the rich shirt is gone. Oh, God. No. It's nowhere to be oh, found. Dude. And it's not like I parked super far away. I literally parked around the corner of the Terragram ballroom. Oh, my God. And I walked it back and forth like twice in the rain, fucking getting soaked more. And... I guess somebody just like stole my Rich Al coin shirt. 
Oh, fuck, dude. That sucks. Oh, my gosh. So if you're listening and you have my size medium Rich coin shirt <laughs> with the Joy Division design, I will like it back, please. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, as a reggae lover, that must have been devastating. (laughs) I mean, Rich O'Coin, one of the best reggae artists of our time, so... That's right, yeah, notoriously. Gosh. (laughs) Jason, what's your lemon? Lemon time, lemon time, okay. So... Next month, I'm going to Korea with my wife for two months. Oh, nice. Yeah, my wife is from Korea, and we're going back because she owns a business up there, and she has to change offices. So we're going to be doing a bunch of that sort of stuff. Well, she is. I'll be skateboarding, I guess. (laughs) So I do YouTube, right, full time. I'm putting out like multiple videos every week. And I do all the editing on the computer that I'm talking with you guys on my iMac. And when I travel, I have a MacBook and it's terrible. And every time I try to edit on it, I always encounter like these glitches and like it's slow. Oh, and yeah. I, I can't like time anything because it's just an awful computer. I bought it for editing purposes. Like I read the specs and I looked it up and they're like, oh, that should be fine for editing. But it's not. And it does a terrible job. <laughs> oh, no. And it makes it like twice as long to edit anything. So that computer yeah. will be what I will be forced to edit with for two months while I'm in Korea, which I will be able to get it done. But like I said, every video is going to take probably around realistically like 50% longer to edit than it would. Oh my God, what a pain in the ass. It is, yeah. So there's my lemon. That's going to be a bummer. But I'll also be in Korea eating a bunch of food. So that'll hopefully awesome. deflect some lemonage. Have you been before? Yeah, I've been to Korea. I think I've only been up there once. I went for two weeks to visit my wife before we got married. And I was like, I don't know if it's like too much time up there. If that's weird. After two weeks, I didn't want to leave. So I extended my stay. I changed my flight for a month. And then after that month was up, I didn't want to leave. So I extended it again for two months. Oh, that's awesome. And then I only left because I had to come back to the U.S. It's pretty much outside of Hawaii, my favorite place in the entire world. Have you been? Yeah, I spent about two weeks there. I was in Seoul and then Pohang. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because I was lecturing because I used to be a scientist. And so I flew into Seoul and then took a train to Pohang. And that's where I spent most of my time there. It's like there's a big, you know, like technical university there. But yeah, dude, I had an incredible time. It was so much fun. Just great food, like one of the best food trips I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. Seoul is just this incredibly, just a huge city full of basically everything. You know, I saw some of the touristy shit, but most of the time I just spent like walking around, taking the subway or the metro, whatever it's called there. And yeah, I loved it. I had a great time. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fascinating. There's so much to do, especially in Seoul. I'm glad you had a good time because the food there is like, the best I've ever had in my entire life, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you go to these like lecture things, it's like an officially sponsored thing. They take you out to like one or two, like super dialed in nice dinners. And Mm. those were, you know, stuff that you wouldn't afford by yourself, but it's like, you know, they're trying to treat the guest lecturers to like a fun thing. And that was awesome. Going to these like real fancy places all in Pohang. uh, And it was awesome. Oh, that sounds incredible. But yeah, I'd love to go back. And that was like 15 years ago or something now. It was a long time. What I remember is that it was like January, February. And I remember landing and checking into my hotel and just looking out in the streets of Seoul. And I was super jet lagged. So like the time is all fucked up just as like the snow is falling and there aren't many cars out. And it was like this incredible like scene 
you know, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, it's relatively rare, at least for me, that I'm traveling in a place when it's snowing because that's usually the off season, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, this is awesome. Like I'm in a place and it's, this isn't like the touristy time to be here. It's snowing and it's this beautiful, amazing, huge city. I was going to say January, February, it must've been really cold out there. It was really fucking cold. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really cold. But it was interesting to like, definitely not everybody spoke English. It was easy enough to like get basic shit, but definitely could not just walk into a place and assume that people would know what I was talking about, which I, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't do when I'm traveling in another country anyway. But the first night I was there, I remember going into a restaurant and literally there's just writing on the wall, no pictures. I just like sit down and point at something and they're like, that you want that? (laughs) And I was like, I, I look, I, I can't communicate with you and I don't know what anything is here. So let's go with that. And they bring out one of those like enormous meals. That's probably for four people, <laughs> yeah. but it was fucking awesome. And I was hungry and I loved it. But yeah, it's the only time in traveling where I've just pointed at something I don't understand and been like, please bring me this and we'll hope for the best. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Well, as a reggae lover, it sounds like it's your time to return to <laughs> Korea. It sounds like it's been too long. When you were there, were you in Seoul or, or somewhere else? We were staying maybe like 40 minutes outside of Seoul, but we would still go into Seoul like quite often to do things and, you know, skate, check things out. And this time we're staying, it's in Seoul, not like the main busy part, but it's near two major metro stations so we can get around pretty easily. Nice. I mean, we explored a lot though. We went to like, all different areas of Korea, which is huge. So obviously there's still many places we need to go to, but that's one of the things I love about it too. You can just go there and so many areas are so completely different than the others. It feels like an entirely different country. And it's easy to get around by train, just take all the train wherever you need to go. And it's like totally different places. Train system is incredible down there. It's just so efficient. So yeah, I'm excited to go there. I mean, it started as a lemon and then I just got all excited about that. But uh, <laughs> there was a negative in there. I swear there was yeah, a negative. That's right. Should we move on to some peaches? Yes. Yeah, we got three each. You want to go first, Bri? Sure. Okay, peach number one. The reason I went on a trip this weekend is I went out to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, which is an old steel town I'd never been to before. There are a couple of colleges, universities nearby. And we were running a live version of this game show that I co-created with some of the guys from the Skeptics Guide to the Universe and George Robb, who are people that have been on the show before. And we were just trying it live, and it was fucking awesome. It was a two-part event. The first half is George's funk band did seven songs where like George breaks it down. He's like, listen to the horn part here, and this is really cool here. And this band was like tight as hell and just crushed. And then we did our game show afterwards and it was fucking great. It was a new town I hadn't been to before. Got to see some friends and, uh, you know, just like three days total in and out, but had a great time. Nice. Uh, you know, you already said it jerk, but I'm going to say it cause it was such a big peach was that you and me and Layton were all in the same room for the first time. It was so great to see that show with you guys and just all be hanging out. Yeah. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And my last peach is today, the day of recording this, April 26th. There's a new book out by A.J. Jacobs called The Puzzler, which is about puzzles and shit. But as part of the book release, they're doing a massive online puzzle hunt. And I have been helping not write the puzzles, but like 
test solve them to make sure, you know, that they work and give comments on them and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, I'm a huge fan of AJ Jacobs's work and got pulled into this through a mutual friend who actually, you know, coordinated all the puzzle stuff. But it's this online puzzle hunt. Like, the first person to do them all can win 10 grand. So it's just like a prize. Oh, crazy. Yeah. And you need a passcode to start the puzzle hunt which is hidden in the introduction of the book, which you can get for free. So you don't even need to buy the book to do it. Mm. It's like you can look it up and just try to figure out the passcode and get into the site. And then they put out puzzles like, I think it's once every weekday starting on May 3rd until someone solves the whole thing. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Wow. It's really fun. These puzzles, I had them like spread out all over here because I've been working on them. They're really good. I can take no credit for writing them, but they're fucking really well-designed and fun puzzles. Hell yeah. Oh, I got to check that out. I love puzzles. That's so cool. I love that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, it's rad. All right. Those are my peaches. Nice. Those are great peaches. Jason, do you want me to go next? Sure. I would love you to go next. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few things I would love more yes. than for you, a hardcore reggae lover, to go next. <laughs> okay. Actually, that reminds me. Jared, can you name your top 50 favorite reggae bands? Well, I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> name three albums. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple that I could list real quick. You know, you got The Green. You got... Uh-huh. Yeah, this is the only one who remembers the green. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. Done. Boom. All right, Peaches. Um, okay, so Peaches. My first one is, yes, Late and Night was all in the same room for the Twerp show, albeit I did lose my Rich Alcoin shirt. We did all get to see Twerp. My second one is, work's been going great. Had a really crazy week last week, and I don't know if I can ever like talk about what I did, but I got to work with a lot of cool people that are pretty legendary to the kind of music that I like. So nice. And then last one is we got Jason Park on late in night. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Ooh. we did. Sorry that this isn't the nine club, but we got <laughs> you. We got you here on late in night. And it's such a dream because, you know, you're like one of the biggest people who have influenced my life. So thank you. Wow. I don't think I'd be the same person if it weren't for finding you on YouTube and connecting with you. So, oh, dude. That's awesome. That's awesome. That makes yeah. me so happy. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, I'll save it for my peaches, but uh, yeah, no, that <laughs> makes me really happy because I'm pumped to be here. And Brian, to meet you and hang out with Jarek again. Yeah, it's great to meet you, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, so thank you for that peach. When was the last time you guys saw each other in person? At the barracks. At the barracks. And this is even more full circle. So like early 2010s, there was these like group of guys from Arizona they made these videos called a happy medium. And I was like, dude, this is fucking sick. And then it was still like prime rip slip brush Jason, like, oh, nine, 10. And I was like, holy shit. These are like massive worlds, like literally apart, but they're like doing the same kind of skateboarding. It's just like very loose, casual, but like, it was just fun. It wasn't like serious, like sport skateboarding. It was skateboarding for fun. And last time I saw Jason, a happy medium had done installment number five. Was that what it was? Yeah, fifth video. So they did a happy medium five and a bunch of the guys, including Jason, were at the barracks for the screening. The barracks... The barracks is like a skate park in LA. Indoor private park. Yeah. And Jason 
This is crazy. Jason, you had a small part in like three or four, right? Like a small cameo. But this time, Jason had his yeah. own fleshed out, his full part in a Happy Medium 5. And that was the last time I saw Jason was like pre-pandemic. End of 2019, I believe. Yes, that's when the last time I saw him is for this screening. Super full circle. Nice. Yeah, so a Happy Medium, that was the fifth installment that I finally had a part in. When the first one ever came out, first Happy Medium, I was watching that in Hawaii. I ordered the DVD, binge watched it like every day for months. It was my favorite video ever. Then Happy Medium 2 came out, watched that way more than anything else, any other form of media I've ever consumed <laughs> in my life. That's my favorite skate video of all time. And I've watched hundreds, probably even thousands of skate videos. And to this day, I think the best skate video ever made. So when I moved to LA and they did the third installment, they were having a premiere in Arizona. My friends and I, of course, we had to make it because they're my favorite videos of all time. Road trip down there, met them. I was like, oh, I love your guys' videos. And they're like, oh, we know of you. We love your skating. Then we started working together, had a couple clips in the fourth video, but then finally for the fifth video, the stars aligned. And that's, that was like one of my life goals was to like work with them. Dude. It was crazy. That's amazing. There is no better feeling then when you meet someone whose shit you like and you're like, hey, I like your stuff. And they're like, well, I like your stuff. And you're like, <sighs> you know me? Like, you know what I do? It doesn't happen often, but when it does, you're like, oh my God. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll do a thing together. It's such a fun thing when that happens like that. Yeah. It's unreal. And I was going to say, it probably happens to you all the time, Brian, I would guess. It does happen occasionally for sure. But usually that differential is so big, you know, like the people whose stuff I really like are like actual like famous people and stuff, generally mm -hmm. speaking, and they don't know shit about YouTube or whatever. It does happen occasionally, mm. but generally speaking, it's like hard to find someone who's kind of right in the same sort of scene enough to like to know what what we're doing with NSP. I hear you saying, yeah, like you and I, I feel like we relate on a lot of levels. We're like a specific niche within a niche yes. of a scene. So I actually completely understand what you're saying. Absolutely. And then every once in a while, you just, you meet someone at a thing and you're mutual fans and then you exchange info and start working on shit together. Every once in a while that happens. And that's always, that's so fucking great. Oh, hell yeah. Brian, real quick. And then we'll move on. Have you ever heard of that artist called Radical Face? No. Oh my gosh. All of Ben Cooper's work is amazing. Brian, you should definitely check out Radical Face. Right, it's cool. the type of music I put on when I'm all sore from skating. I fill up like a hot Epsom salt bubble bath. <laughs> I put uh -huh. it on, I close my eyes, and I have the craziest, most visceral experience of my week. You know, I'm just awesome. like, I'm feeling everything. Yeah, it's incredible music. I'll check out that and Gunship. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. But yeah, the O'Shea brothers, they've been using Radical Face in their movies since like installment one. Right, I believe. Those are the filmers of the happy medium. Yeah. Yeah. Since the second video. Oh, the second video. Okay. So Radical Face came to the fifth one and yeah, just got to meet him. That's rad. Just more full circle. Anyway, yeah, Jason, what are it. your peaches? By the way, that's true. That was the first time I had ever met Ben Cooper of Radical Face. He's been a huge inspiration to me throughout most of my life. So yeah, that was crazy. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, awesome. peaches. First Peach is, so my life dream was always to own a place where I could have a mini ramp in my backyard, like a skate ramp, uh -huh. a mini ramp. And as of a couple months ago, maybe like two, three months ago, I just had a mini ramp built in my backyard. Nice. Yeah, it's crazy. We just got this house and I was like, okay, hey, I got to get a mini ramp built in the backyard. Contacted this company, Keen Ramps. Shout out Keen Ramps. They make like 
the best skate ramps in the US, maybe anywhere. But I loved them for a while and they offered to give me a discount in order to help promote them through videos and stuff. And so I was able to afford it, mailed everything down, got it built and boom, I can officially say I've accomplished probably my biggest life dream, which was to like have a place and have a mini ramp in the backyard. So that was like a crazy feeling to me, which I think to most people wouldn't really mean a lot, but to me was something I'd wanted my entire life. So that's a major peach for me. That's great, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. For some people, it's whatever. But for me, I was like, oh man, I've like my whole life is built up to this. Yeah, yeah. Second peach, being on this podcast has been really awesome. It's been great to see you, Jarek, and meet you, Brian, and Leighton as well. Yeah, you too. So yeah, I'm like really pumped to do this. It's been really fun. Also, to watch Jarek finger his toes on the camera (laughs) from the uh, upward looking angle was um, (laughs) as equal parts uh, disturbing and inspiring. So that was nice. And deeply erotic. As well, of oh, course. highly erotic, above all else. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Erotic. You're welcome. <laughs> and it made me think, Leighton was saying, oh, because she brought it to our attention. So, like, you're fingering your toes on camera. And it made me think, fingering your toes, like, fingering, it's weird how it's, like, fingers, it's, like, a noun, but also a verb. And it also made yeah. me think of, like, would the reverse work? Like, you're towing your fingers. Yeah. You know? It doesn't seem like it, right? Yeah. I, I don't think so. But you hear fingering, I mean, I don't know how often, but situationally, <laughs> you hear that term. Maybe Jarek more than the average person as a hardcore reggae lover. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, being here on this podcast, hanging out with you guys, uh, that's a nice speech. It was a very happy experience for me. Uh, so thank you for having me. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you for working it out, Jarek, making this happen too. What a pure soul he is, you know? <laughs> Jarek is just yeah, a, man. the purest of souls. I, I was saying this to Jason Jerk before you got on, but like we've known each other for it's like four or so years now, right? Something like that. Three. Three? Yeah. Okay. Well, three or four <laughs> years. Fine. I was gonna say something nice until you brutally oh, corrected me. <laughs> yeah, dude, you're just the best. And it's such an honor to do so many fun things with you. So thanks. Likewise. Thank you for being in my life and being a part of this podcast because uh you rule likewise man thank you thank you dude and jason yeah it's been so awesome having you here i'm sorry Layden had to jump off early but we really appreciate you taking the time to be here today and you know this was awesome yeah yeah i'm pumped did you do your last peach was that three mini ramp being here in toes Okay. okay that sounds good i understand Layton had her uh, foot convention to go to which is very <laughs> That's important right. yeah but yeah toes is definitely my that'll be a good third peach sweet Possibly the most important. I think so, at least to the viewing public. I should say to everybody listening to this, if you want to see those bad boys, get on the Patreon, because that's where this video Mm -hmm. is going to live. Yeah, You get some up-close and personal Jarek foot action. Jason, where can people find you online? My most commonly used outlet, I guess, would just be Instagram. I just toss whatever garbage that's going on in my life on there instantly, you know, um, at Jason Park Sucks. Cool. But most importantly, I guess, would be my YouTube. That's what I put, I guess, my most effort into my YouTube channel, which you can reach at Jason Park Sucks or, as we've discussed, Rip Slip Brush Jason in the URL. But yeah, just my YouTube videos. been doing those YouTube videos every week. Instagram, I don't really use anything else you know i have like a tiktok and a twitter i don't really use those yeah those are where to find me i guess cool jerk do you want to take us out yeah thank you so much jason this is awesome thank you so much for hanging out with us taking the time to be here and it's such a pleasure treat to have you we do have a slogan but oh yes this time 
we'd like for the guests to make the slogan to sign us out. So Jason, give us a slogan to sign us out. Oh, shit. Give us a slogan? Yeah, like some parting words. Like a short phrase just to take people out. Like, oh, you can finger your toes, but you can't toe your fingers. Something like that. That's it. That's it. Well, you're not going to top it. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you all for being here. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com.